Secrets of the Sire. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Secrets of the Sire. We talk comics, movies, TV, and pop culture every Wednesday night, 8 p.m. Eastern on the Sire Studios Digital Network. That's youtube.com slash secrets of the sire, facebook.com slash secrets of the sire, twitch.tv slash secrets of the sire, secrets of the sire.com, and the all new site, siredigital.com. Siredigital.com will actually house all of the digital means of streaming our awesome show tonight avengers endgame predictions sure to go wrong game of thrones recap and newsarama's chris arendt joins us to spin the racks as always i'm your host michael dolce and i am joined by the lord of the live stream that's right you've been officially knighted <laughs> something different see i tied that in to the game of thrones recap i see that but i i i, I like lord of the radio but um okay Sure you're the lord of the live. Same, you're the lord of the, the live same, stream. I had the same anagram as Lord of the Rings, so it kind of you know worked mm -hmm. for me. Lord of the. Oh, I see. Mm. We're gonna have to come up with something new for you then uh, to keep that anagram so that it's. You said uh, it was fine. You said we were on the radio. Well, we were. Now we're on. Now oh, we're no. live streaming because we're in the 21st century. How you doing, Hassan? How's everything going? It's going great. How, that's, how, that's what how I like to I hear. Uh, you look the same. I didn't say you were good or bad. I just said good to, good to said know that uh, my physical appearance doesn't change no matter what's going on. <laughs> and at least not on the show. So nah, yeah. <laughs> we don't know. You you might not be wearing any pants. Uh, you know, for all we know. As a matter of fact, you yeah. might be wearing a crop top. For all we know. <laughs> so let me get something off my chest right off the bat. Oh boy. What is up with? All these people seeing Avengers Endgame already. I'm looking through my social feed. I'm looking through my Twitter feed. I'm like, hey, y'all, when are you going to go see it? Expecting like, I don't know, Thursday opening night, you know, Saturday night, Friday night. In my case, it'll be Tuesday morning at 9 a.m. next week. And what I'm getting back are seen it. What? Victor Dandridge, friend of the show. Mm -hmm. He's like, I've seen it. You should too. Now, mind you, no spoilers. That's great. Annie Banks, Daniel Solzman. Yeah, I got to see it yesterday. Everyone went during the premiere. The premiere was yesterday or Monday, right? Monday yeah. night. Yeah, okay, and I so. guess there's pre. I guess there's preview, special previews too. So, as yeah, a riddling podcast, we need to get access to these movies beforehand. I think that's. Well, you're never going to be anything more than a middling podcast if you don't stop calling yourself a middling podcast. Oh, I see what you're saying. You are projecting. We need to manifest, as yeah. our previous yeah. guest think, <laughs> Amanda Rose think, said. Think big and be big. We are a top-tier middling podcast, is what you're trying to say. Oh, and I, 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 I hear you. I think I think I don't. I don't have the energy right. for it. <laughs> I, I, don't, I do not have the energy for it. <laughs> All right. So, Avengers Endgame is is obviously the biggest deal that's out there right now. I know Game of Thrones is going, and we will. We will talk about the first two episodes because it was a good little prelude to war essentially uh for anybody who you know that's not really spoilerish uh at this point also it's wednesday i don't understand how you are not immediately watching the first two episodes of the final episodes of game of thrones if you are a hardcore fan so we'll get to game of thrones but avengers endgame always like is, the fan discrimination there's always fan discrimination 
Like, unless you're the hardcore fan. Are you a hardcore fan? Uh, no, no, I'm not even questioning <laughs> hardcore fandom here. I agree with you. The, <laughs> the formula for this is overreaction to somebody not doing something or doing something and then overreacting know, to the overreaction yeah, and then course. eventually coming to like a consensus until like the argument gets brought up a year later and then it, and then the cycle kind of repeats. I'm just talking about like, if you are, if you have been watching this show and or reading the books and or both, how are you not like immediately like, like how, Hassan, tell me, how are you not like just instantly uh, unless of course there's there's some extenuating circumstances um i know a couple of people who like like to watch uh, game of thrones with certain people who okay. are on vacation or who okay. are away on business okay. so they have to skip okay. until until those people or their husbands or wives come home from from business and but so they, they can't realize, watch any of the shows right you realize they realize that's on them at this point though right like they, well, they have to take the responsibility to to not find spoilers because the rest of the world i mean are like literally live streaming it together if, I, if they have if to. i if i wanted to look at um at entertainment as some kind of important um what would you call it uh public service announcement that, mm-hmm. that you you know like the the emergency broadcasting system like if yeah. you don't listen to the to the emergency broadcast and you get caught in the flood that's your fault Yes, if I, I agree. wanted to, if I wanted to view entertainment like that, yeah, then absolutely, I would, I would blame them. But I, I, I don't. So once again, I'm, I'm correct, is what you're saying. Okay, good. Once again, you are correct in believing uh, that your incorrectness is correct. Yes. Mm, okay, good. <laughs> I, I like it. I like the, I like the circumvention. <laughs> Let's go down the Avengers Endgame rabbit hole of predictions sure to go wrong because that, to me. So let's let's take a let's take a high high level approach to Avengers Endgame for a second, right? There's a sadness that that is kind of coupled with the joy of finally getting to know the conclusion to Part One, which was Avengers: Infinity War. There's an excitement for that. There's also a sadness, though, that goes along with it, in the sense that my cousin actually posted this on one of my posts on Facebook, and he said, "I hope this is the end of this ten year." like dominance of just superheroes at the box office, that everything is superheroes and that we're finally moving on to something new. Is that a, I don't want to say valid because everything is valid. Uh, even things that are blatantly wrong have validity in being expressed. Do you foresee this as being the kind of polar shift into something new? Into, into like the new territory for the box office? Is this the, or is this simply the closing of one door and the opening of another? Everything is a polar shift into something new. Mm-hmm. Um, this is the closing of one door and into another, but who knows if uh, superheroes are or are not on the other side of that door. Mm-hmm. We have no idea of knowing. Uh, we have no way of knowing. Right. I think if this movie came, I mean, this, is, this looks like it's going to be the biggest movie of, of human history. Right. right? Mm-hmm. They're talking about like 100 million, 300 million, something yep. like that the first weekend. Yep. So if it's... A, a tonal shift, you'd think you would start seeing it by now. Right. You know? So even if this is the catalyst that starts to close the door on superheroes, it's still going to be another two, three years before we realize this was where it started. Right. You know? Um, towards uh, 
I mean, towards towards phase. What are we in now? We're we're going into phase four now. Yes, from, this is the closing of phase three. Okay, so we're going into phase four. Maybe amazingly enough, through, yeah, maybe halfway through phase four, mm-hmm. we'll realize um, that the end of phase three was pretty much the end of the superhero era. Mm-hmm. But Hollywood doesn't really have anything to replace it with. Usually, you see the the you see the impending doom on the horizon. You know, you see some right. other movie like dominating. The only thing that's sure. that's competitive with superheroes is Star Wars, and that's on its own shaky ground. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Even though I do believe it's going to have a return to form by the end of this year with um uh, the the last what is it the the Rise of Skywalker? Sure. How, why? How is it that I don't even? have the star wars the the name of the most recent star wars episode on standby in my brain it's so strange there's the tea to that to yeah and, and disney's decision to kind of take a break from star wars i think is a, is the right one i don't know I, 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 a little bit i think they just need to do better stories they do but they've also, you know, this, this was the first time when Disney kind of came out and instead of a new movie every three years, you had a new movie every single year. And at that point, there is an oversaturation because whether or not, and we kind of touched upon this when we talked about our Star Wars Celebration episode, which you can stream us on iTunes and download us on uh, Google Play. You can actually go, go to Android and you can download the Secrets of the Sire mobile app. Uh, iTunes is coming this week. We talked about, you know, the Clone Wars, and I actually kind of said, you know, even though Clone Wars is canon, it's TV, it's a different thing. Mandalorian is going to be TV. They're really dedicating a lot of attention to the TV landscape and the streaming ass landscape versus the movies. To me, the movies were the only things you had to see. You had to see the movies. If you didn't watch Clone Wars, it's okay. You might not get the full picture, but at least you have an idea of things that are going on. I mean, even the Darth Maul cameo at the end of Solo was kind of, you know, tied into uh, what was the, the cartoon uh, that they kind of talked about? Rebels. Rebels, right. So I didn't need to see Rebels to know who Darth Maul was. And had I watched Rebels, it would have been an extra little flavor on it. But at the same time, it wasn't like I was missing out on it. The fact that there was a new movie every year, I think oversaturated things. Marvel, meanwhile, you have two or three movies a year and there never seemed to be a saturation point. It never seemed to reach because they were spaced out enough. They were different heroes. It was different, you know, and Marvel wisely wasn't giving you the same superhero movie every single time. You know, you had things like Dr. Strange, which was kind of a fantasy mysticism, mysticism element to it. You had you only Ant- got one though. No, I know, but you got Ant-Man, which for better, or for worse is a, is a heist movie with a buddy comedy, you know, kind of mixed in between. Uh, then you had your straightforward, you know, Spider-Man, but that's more of a teen angsty superhero, which is what super Spider-Man is. You know, there's enough, you know, Thor could satiate your, your fantasy elements and or your space hopping elements, buddy cop kind of th- stuff with uh, Ragnarok. You know, there was a, each movie, while part of a grander whole, you know, was able to touch upon something different each time. So the fatigue factor wasn't a, isn't as great as maybe, say, Star Wars. But I'm glad you mentioned Star Wars, and I'm glad we mentioned Game of Thrones. I don't, I don't necessarily, I don't, I don't necessarily think it's fatigue. I don't necessarily think that the destruction of or the the fall <laughs> of superhero movies. I think the the is is a fatigue or some kind of burnout. Mm-hmm. I think what's on the horizon for these movies, if if anything, I think the thing that's going to kind of push these movies aside for yeah. something new is ironically going to be something new. 
because even though we're getting even with Marvel's formula, yeah, everything is is a form of of rehash. Yeah, because like you know, the Infinity War is a rehash of a comic book story that came out years ago. Um, every every one of the Marvel stories is a rehash of some old comic book thread or comic, comic sure. storyline. All the Star Wars movies have been a rehash of mm-hmm. in some way, with the exception of the Last Jedi, ironically. Um, right. But that was such a departure that it that it, it rubbed, you know, perhaps a, a, hard, a, a large percentage of the of the fandom the wrong way. Sure. Everything is everything has been some kind of nostalgic familiarity mm-hmm. that we've been that we've been going on. Nothing brand new has been has been coming our way. The MCU, yeah, you can absolutely say that the act of seeing them all in in reality, in real life, in, yeah. in, in flesh and blood with all these actors and these, you can say that that's a form of newness or, okay. you know, that's, that's, that's some kind of, uh, of brand new reality. But it, they're really old stories. I mean, to anyone who's been reading these, I mean, to most of the, fa- not most of it, because obviously the entire world is not a fan of marvel comics right the the comic books would be doing a lot better but (laughs) um these stories are out there if you want to look it up if you you wanted to look up the winter soldier when you found out that the name of the second captain america movie was winter soldier Mm -hmm. you could you could go to wikipedia and get the entire story yeah get all i mean so nothing nothing we're not getting anything new we're just getting a new polish on old stories in every way, even the new star Wars stories are retreads of, you know, the, uh, the, 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 the force awakens was a new hope. Um, sure. You know, rogue one was, uh, with a nostalgia hit with a dopamine nostalgia hit on, uh, a, a new hope, another, another, you know, bounce on that. Mm-hmm. Uh, solo was another nostalgia hit. So, I mean, all these things are just, Hey, remember this? Remember this? Remember this? Hey, this is a this got a new coat of paint on it. Yeah. This got a new, you know, this we put a new door on this. Right. We put a new, you know, we put a new windshield on this one. We put a new tent on that. So <laughs> if, if once once we start getting original content again, uh-huh. that might wash away the dominance of, of all these other movies. But who knows when original content's gonna be coming around. Yeah, I mean everything. Like all the streaming services are now. Every streaming service has a superhero television series, right? From right. Doom Patrol to The Boys to um, to uh, the Umbrella Academy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The you know the Marvel the Marvel had a whole uh, uh, slew of shows that got canceled. Right, they, they they've been dominating television for so long. All their shows are canceled, and we're still going into another phase of of television dominance of superhero stuff. So. Who's to say? I mean, I don't right. know. Right. So it's funny, though. Again, you mentioned Star Wars and we were talking about Game of Thrones. Is 2019 the year of the villain? I mean, we have Thanos. We have the Night King. And now we have potentially the Emperor to cap us all off. I mean, this could be, you know, it's funny. And, and, I, and, I, and I like kind of going back full circle to my original question about the end of an era. Are we going to look back on this, you know, five, ten years from now and go, oh, man, remember how great it was? And you remember how great every, you know, all the villains were and the heroes and everything like that? I mean, are we going to look back and, and understand 
just how lucky we are right now in 2019 in terms of this no. media we consume? No. No? No. Because we never do. Well, we do. Oh, when's, no, the last time we, when's the last time? We, well. So I'm imploring everyone, please, right now. I'm staring right at you. I mean, how, <laughs> recognize how, how never, amazing this is. We're never going to talk about how lucky we were. We're always going to talk about how everything sucks now. Yeah. You know, and things were better then. But we're never, like, how lucky were we is a, is a form of personal appreciation, of yeah. reflective, you know, reflective admiration. And we never have that. We never, we never. I know. We never I mean, go through phases of man. We should have appreciated that more when we had it. How I mean, extremely lucky! I, I even I thought this before Game of Thrones. My wife was kind of saying like, "Oh my God, I'm having Ajit. I can't believe it's over." Blah blah blah. And I'm like, "How fortunate were we just to have a Game of Thrones to 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 kind of relish in and soak up for seven plus years and now ten plus years of Marvel films." Eight. Well, this is season eight, but nine I'm saying years. seven. Nine, is nine years. Is this, no, but season eight of Game of Thrones. Oh, but there was a okay. There was a gap in between, right? I'm just I was going by what the seasons were, but yeah. I mean, just having this and then having ten years of Marvel films uh, to build up to this moment, this build up. You know, we're an instant gratification society, and to for once we actually have this slow build up that everyone was kind of like on board and came on board. If if you envision a train at this point, and even Star Wars to an extent, right? I mean. I think I think uh, I think the MCU owes a lot to Game of Thrones. I think um, sure because I think the MCU started around the same time as Game yes. of Thrones. Yes. Mm-hmm. So I think what happened? Uh, well, was, yeah, 2009, 2009, 2002 to twenty ten, something like that. I think yeah. Game of Thrones started in twenty ten. Yeah. So what happened was, um, I th- at at some point I I believe Kevin Feige. Or somebody in his circle uh, decide, you know, we're we're going over the the, yeah. the limitations of the cinematic format for telling mm-hmm. superhero stories, so mm-hmm. telling, translating comic books into superhero stories. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure either he or someone else just said out loud, it, "It's too More bad cake. that movies don't work like TV, like a television series, right? Where you could do episodes and episodes, and then for for X amount of years." And then bring it to a culmination by the end. And they decided to try this experiment. And it's an experiment that only, it's a formula only they seem to be able to figure out. Because everybody has been trying to rip them off since right, then, right. Including Star Wars. And it hasn't <laughs> been working. Um, the, the problem is, are we coming to the end of that? Because the two greatest examples of that mm-hmm. are ending this year, this right. summer. Right. I mean, we're going to lose. We're going to. I mean, every, this is 20, 2019 is a year of endings. It's yeah. A, it's a year, everything ends. Everything's ending this year. Game no, of Thrones ending this year. The MCU. The Skywalker saga. Is ending this year. Skywalker saga. Yeah. Uh, Deadwood. Everything is coming to an end this yeah. year. I, wouldn't so, throw, I, I would not throw Deadwood into the same conversation as those three. I'm just saying, it was a very nice. Of course, ship. you wouldn't, because you're kind of an ignoramus. But Deadwood <laughs> is coming saying. to an end. I'm just it's saying, every, you're like, every, you're I'm, like, I'm you're like these massively popular and amazing stories, and Deadwood. You know, just, just, just you have a you have a long history of missing the 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 cultural relevance of things. So it's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm yeah. gonna I'm gonna look back five years from now and be like, 
damn, Deadwood was so good, man. Maybe you won't, but that doesn't mean you aren't everyone, are you? Uh, you're not I, even. You're I'm not even half of everyone. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not. You're I'm not even a tenth of everyone. So <laughs> stop. Stop it. I am the stop host of a high-tier middling podcast. So yeah. I think yeah. I think that speaks for itself. Upper tier yeah. middling podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, yeah. I'm not. I don't have the energy for that. Speaking, <laughs> Just, speaking, I, already, I already fought that battle earlier today, and I'm not fighting it again. Speaking of our high tier middling podcast, I went back and re-listened to our fantasy death draft that we did before Infinity War. First of all, I got to tell you. I wish you told me to do that. Like, uh, I wish you, you said that we were going to do that so that I could have done that. Hats off that to us. That kind of cool. Hats off to us. That was an amazing show. Uh, I want to thank our guest. I guess. Derek Becker, <laughs> Derek Becker from uh, Comic Pros and Cons. I want to thank Bevan from the Adultish Podcast and Adultish Web Series. I want to thank Casey from Bad Coyote Funky for coming on board. This was a year ago. Go look us up. Go to secretsofthesire.com. All our podcasts are up there. You can stream them right off the uh, website. Uh, or again, download us on anywhere podcasts are found, iTunes, iHeartRadio, uh, Google Play. We have our app. We have the app coming on the iTunes store pretty soon as well, too. You can, you can just get us everywhere. We're, we're out there. I thought, besides being in a fantastically engrossing episode, and I love tooting our horn, I'm wondering, talking about predictions for this movie, how much the second time around we're you and I specifically. So you and I specifically, uh, without going through every single pick that we went through, you and I picked Iron Man and Hulk, who obviously made it. Coulson made it too. Uh, that was one of your other picks. I had Captain America. I had Hawkeye. I had Ant Man. I had folks who weren't even in the movie apparently. But I, how was I supposed to know that? Because I don't get the preview. I don't get those free previews that some of our friends seem to get. We're, we're going to work if on that. If you had gotten a preview, then the entire, the entire show would have been bogus. So oh, that's a good point. Really, yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, mm-hmm. good point. But I still mm-hmm. want the preview. Uh, I'm wondering out of all the stuff that we picked, the main casting characters, you know, obviously people are coming back. But who's staying dead for good? Give me your predictions for Avengers Endgame staying dead for good. Iron Man, Captain America. Ooh, you're going with the one-two punch. I am only going to go with Captain America. I think Chris Evans has gone on record, you know, and we talked about this in the fantasy death draft too, is the fact that, you know, his contracts are up. Uh, he's hanging up the shield for the most part, and someone else will probably take the mantle. I don't think they're going to recast Steve Rogers for the next phase. He'll go through his artsy-fartsy phase for about 10 years too, and then he'll eventually be like, oh, yeah, I'm going to come back to Captain America because – it was awesome, A, and B, I, I, need, you know, I need to pay that mortgage on that second house, and C, it's just fun. I mean, it's just fun to have them, you know, have them return, and from a story point of view, at that point, it will make for a grand re-entrance for the character. But I think he's staying dead. I don't think Iron Man's staying dead in this one, though. I really don't. I think Downey Jr. is going to be back again, because he just, there might not be any more Iron Man movies, but I don't and think the character... But I don't think the character is going away anytime soon just yet. I really don't. You also picked Hulk. What do you, what do you think? I, are they ever going to get a Hulk movie right? Like an individual solo Hulk movie? I wonder if they're ever even going to try with Mark Ruffalo. I don't think so. I thought there was some kind of issue with doing a Hulk movie. 
but I don't have it on hand. I don't, you know, I'm my my recall is is atrocious. Well, there's I, some you, kind of issue why there hasn't been a Hulk movie since twenty two thousand eight or something like that. So, yeah, I'm not sure. I, I, I we'd have to go. We should we should reach out to our frequent uh, collaborator, Mr. Jeff Gomez. He'll give us the skinny on that. So, Jeff, as you're listening to this, because he's a big fan of the show and he listens, DM us. Let us know, and we'll bring that up. I don't but know, I does Jeff have a have the time for? A middling podcast. He always does. No, this is a, this is an upper tier. This is an upper tier middling podcast. You, you, don't don't denigrate us. We just we literally uh, just graduated. It's me, it's me today. doing it now. I, I know. See. I get it. I get it. I know. We graduated today. Today was our graduation. Yeah. We're an upper tier middling podcast. You know why we graduated? Why? Because I said we should graduate. <laughs> hey. It doesn't the, matter. It doesn't matter maker. how it does. It just matters that it does. That's I all it am the kingmaker. I have made us kings. Good, good. I'm, I'm going to do that for in a couple of other situations. I'm going to go on a limb here, actually. I, I'm looking at my five picks that I picked. I had Captain America, Hawkeye, Scarlet Witch, Pepper Potts, and Ant-Man. Two of the five, not even in Infinity War, so I was, I was negated there. Scarlet Witch, I at least got one right. I'm looking at Pepper Potts. I'm looking at Ant-Man. I'm looking at Hawkeye, and I'm looking at Captain America thinking, I think – Two out of those four don't make it out of this movie. I think Hawkeye, this, I think this is the end for Hawkeye too. Except I just thought about that and there's a Disney Plus show coming on with Hawkeye, isn't there? Jeremy Renner. Yep. <sighs> this is where we Look, just... you know what? It's either, it's, it's going to be the same as Game of Thrones. Either most of your favorites are going to die or none. Yeah. It's going to be, it's going to be one of those. Or it's going to be in a way that you didn't even see coming. Because I mean, there's a you know, there's the, the internet is alive with yeah. predictions of who's gonna die on Sunday on Game of Thrones. Yeah, yeah, I know, I and know. I whereas I I see I, I see the value in doing it. I think mm-hmm. it's also obnoxious. You know, <laughs> I do find it obnoxious. Well, everything that's done on the internet is obnoxious, isn't it? I mean, after a point. Yeah, but we don't have to celebrate it. Like, there's no, we have no choice, you know? We, are, we got no choice. It's the internet. We have to go with it. It's obnoxious. I we are, it we obnoxious. are slaves to its artificial intelligent whims. <laughs> Fair enough. I actually but, think there's, um, just, there's just, like, literally a hamster running in a wheel in a sub-basement somewhere, and that's charging up the internet, and that's giving <laughs> the internet its entire life. So we are actually the slaves to a giant hamster. All right. Did you get your orders from the hamster this morning? Is that what happened? Every morning. The called you? Every morning. Every, every morning. morning. Every morning is the hamster. Every morning. All right. I want to know, we want to know your thoughts. Chime in. Uh, we're on YouTube.com slash Secrets of the Sire. We're commenting there. Facebook.com slash Secrets of the Sire. We're commenting there. Twitch.tv slash Secrets of the Sire. I got that to work the last couple weeks. Woohoo! Good for me. And again, you can actually pick and choose whatever... Uh, however you'd like to be watching us by going to SireDigital.com or SecretsOfTheSire.com and uh, it has all the options to see us live and to pick us up afterwards. And again, if you're listening to us, because this is a podcast, uh, download us on iTunes, iHeartRadio, Google Play, anywhere, podcast.fm. There's there's like just a number of podcasting apps that you can get us. All right. When we come back, we're going to dip into Game of Thrones, dip our toes into the season of Game of Thrones, and then we're going to be welcoming Mr. Chris Arendt to give us more Avengers Endgame when we come back. 
Hi everyone, this is Michael Dolce, host of the Secrets of the Sire radio show and podcast, and welcome to our Patreon launch event. To date, we've interviewed actor Kevin Bacon and rocker Chris Cornell. We spent a wacky week with a real housewife and played love it or shove it with a comic book icon. We've debated which TV shows everyone should be watching and channeled our inner force comparing Rogue One to The Force Awakens. And that's just the beginning. Become an executive producer and get an exclusive feed inside our studio before and while we air. Become a program director and receive our exclusive show outline with insider details on topics and guests hours before we go live. Or just be a fan. And for a quarter of broadcast, we'll sing your praises on the interwebs every week. So if you like pop culture, movies, TV shows, and graphic novels, this is the Patreon page for you. Welcome back to Secrets of the Sire. We are a comic book movie podcast. We talk comics, movies, TV, and pop culture. Yes. Everything in that sphere. Every Wednesday night, 8 p.m. Eastern on the SireDigital.com network. Go check out SireDigital.com. You can stream us on YouTube, Facebook. You can stream us on Periscope. You can stream us on Twitch. Uh, there's lots of ways. And again, you can download us after the fact on SoundCloud, iTunes, iHeart, all the good stuff. Do us a favor and subscribe to our channels, however, whatever platform you enjoy the most, please subscribe or follow or like. It helps us continue doing what we do, whether or not you when want us do to what keep we doing. Do. <laughs> helps us continue uh, doing what we do when we do whatever it is we're doing. Exactly. Whatever we do, we do, it. we do it best. Uh, we're also brought to you by our beloved patrons, uh, Craig Caruso, Einar Peterson, Matt Beyer, Ashley Haikai, Omar Morales. Our program director, Stephanie Dolce, and as always, our Uber fan, Christina Dolce, who will be on the show in a couple weeks to preview the end of Game of Thrones, which is a great segue into our next segment, which is the first two episodes of Game of Thrones is in the books. We've got four episodes to go, right? Six episode season, I believe. Next, yes. week, next week's episode is an hour and 20 Four minutes long, if I'm correct. Like a movie. It's a full, it's a feature-length yeah. movie. Because Barry, uh, which, by the way, are you watching Barry at all? Or do you watch Barry no. on HBO? No. Nope. One of the greatest single seasons I've ever seen. Bill Hader Season is amazing. One. Henry Winkler is amazing. It's one of those shows where I'm sitting there going, I don't think they should have came back for a second season. Because now, it, it was okay. And last episode, in episode four, took a turn at the very end. That I'm just sitting there, kind of scratching my head. Well, a that's bit. another internet bug, though, isn't it? Isn't it a terrible internet bug where, like, anything that's anything that's slightly less or reduced in quality from the last thing you saw was a, something that just shouldn't have happened? Instead of like the internet doesn't, people don't take into account that there are ebbs and flows of these things. Sure. Sometimes, you know, like the MCU wasn't on form for a whole for for a full ten years. Neither was Game of Thrones. Right. If you pay attention to anybody who talked about season seven. So if they stopped at season season seven, and uh, you know, because everyone was like, they should have, you know, they should have, they ran out of, they ran out of novels, and therefore they've run out of form. They've they've run out of story. They're 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 terrible now. If we had stopped there, we wouldn't be seeing. It's a little. Season. This is a little different though, because Barry, uh, Barry is I'm a lot like talking about the phenomenon of 
Uh, no, um, I get it. I get it. It. it shouldn't have gone on. It, we shouldn't, you know, it, it was perfect the way it was, and we should have left well enough. There's, there's some shows, though, and, and I'm thinking to myself, Californication was one of them, where they didn't know if they were getting renewed. So they actually told a beginning, middle, and end, and it was perfect. And then, well, they got renewed. So then all of a sudden, you're, you're, you're kind of like scraping the dust off. Veronica Mars, season one, uh, and Pat Shen can fight me on this as well, too, because I thought season two uh, was difficult. Season one was another one where it's like, wow, they really, it, it, it's like the band, before they make it, they put all their energy and effort into the great album. They come out with the great album, they become this huge hit, and then they have to kind of replicate the same output, and it's impossible at that point. Barry, the first season of Barry, unfreaking believe. I mean, I'm telling you right now, it was the best show last year that I watched on TV, and the Emmys kind of Strange backed me you up never, on that. You never talked about it. That's odd. Well, I mean, it doesn't necessarily always fit. <laughs> it was so theory. unbelievable that you didn't mention. Uh, we've talked off the air. This is true, actually. It's just it well, so I'm telling I'm telling you and our general audience, go watch season one, season two. It's going to take a lot to bring this one uh, back out there, and it just it is one of those things where I sit. What if going, season three, season two ends in this most phenomenal mm-hmm. way, and it leads into season three, which would which breaks the the mold and does it is so much better than season one. Oh. but but you're on record saying it shouldn't even have gotten to season two. You I'm almost saying? saying it was so perfect. Season one was so perfect. I almost wish they hadn't sullied it with a season two that is kind of going off the rails. Now you could be right. They have six more episodes. They could turn the like, ship around. Perfect. Like I don't. I don't. I never understand these. Like I don't. I never. I don't understand today. I My, don't understand our our modern age of of perfection. Like it's not a. It's not a journey anymore. It's no, not, it is. Like, that is exactly. Would say, it. I would say that. No, it's not. Obviously, it's not. I would say that the I, the entire series of Game of Thrones is the is a road towards perfection. Yes, not it won't be perfect. I, I agree. Nothing is perfect. I agree. But it was the entire experience that brought us to here. Yes. That that makes all this anticipation so palpable. Yes. Right. Mm-hmm. If you if you keep concentrating on the individual achievements of the journey. And don't and don't concentrate on the journey in and of itself. You don't get the payoff at the end. I think though you can separate the feeling you get as you're going on the individual journey. Look, not every Game of Thrones episode is the greatest Game of Thrones episode around. There's there's as definitely I just said, there's definitely exactly filler. What I said. But you sit there and you go, well, it's not selling the experience because it's heading somewhere. It's it it is actually a journey. In the case of something like Barry. The reason I bring it up, though, is they, you were on this journey and it reached its end at the end of season one. It, it literally it only did. Reached, it only reached the end of season one, though. It did, you don't there's know. A, there's a different sense, though, to it. Like, if you watch the end of season one of Game of Thrones and then they said, ah, we're not bringing Game of Thrones back, you'd sit there and go, oh, that stinks because I know there's so much more to come. If you watch the end of season one of Barry, you'd be like, wow, that was... A, middle, a beginning, middle, and end, and it brought me to such a satisfying conclusion that if they did not make another episode of this show, it wouldn't matter because I got everything I need out of it and it, and it took me on this wild journey and this took me on this wild ride. And this season has just been very uneven and some characters are acting certain ways where you sit there and go, uh, you know, you just, you cringe. Whereas in the season, first season, you never did that. All right, Game of Thrones, Game of Thrones. 
Game of Thrones. Okay. First two episodes. The funny part about the first two episodes, right? And anybody who hasn't seen it yet, check out our first segment where I lash out at you. Uh, you basically have a system here. You have, you have a scenario here where those first two episodes, because not a lot actually happens, uh, if you think about it in terms of we know the war is coming, uh, Buffy was a show that was a lot like this. You knew you were waiting for the inevitable showdown. Like we're all waiting for this inevitable showdown between both the White Walkers and Cersei, right? There's a instance that happens a lot of times where these filler shows are just that. It's filler, right? Uh, Buffy did this at the, at the tail end of season five where you could tell they were stalling right there's a there's a difference between like we're we're going to the end and we're leading to the end to well we know the big showdown happens next episode so we're kind of stalling a little bit and we're trying to give you something of value we're trying to write something that makes sense we're trying to write something that entertains you but all the good stuff is going to happen you know in the season finale when the big battle happens to me that was actually not the case i i feel like this season while not heavy, you know, no deaths really, with the exception of that of that younger kid who we don't really know very well anyway, who got pinned up against the wall. He was a uh, he was an umber, right? He right. Was, he was a young umber, right? Exactly. They he, mentioned him at the beginning of the episode, right? He was red shirt is essentially is essentially what he was. Oh, he was he was a number. The, the yes. umbers are very important to the to the uh, yes to the Game of Thrones story. No, they are, but I'm saying that the character himself is someone we just met at the beginning of that, of that no, episode. Someone we met at the end of uh, season season uh, seven. Okay. At the Relatively end of, new. At the beginning of season seven. Right. In, in fact. But not enough to sit there. It, it, it's not a Hodor death or it's not, you know, a Red Wedding kind of death. This, is, this was, okay, this was, a, this was a cool death. But with the exception of that, no one really dies. In fact, all of this gives us some peaceful resolutions and it gives us a lot of really cool things i felt like none of this was filler i felt like none of this was stole i felt like everything about the first two episodes has just been on point to resolving some plot threads what say you hassan uh i, I would agree i agree with you uh i think i think it's all a tremendous setup i'm having trouble with I'm I'm having trouble with the attempt to contextualize what I'm seeing, mm -hmm. just because it because the ball hasn't really started rolling yet. Right. So I mean, look the the only the only impression I really have yeah. from episode one and two is that it's a it's a it it will be interesting mm -hmm. to see how they wrap up the Daenerys story. Yeah. Because the Jon Snow story is basically it's it's almost almost it's it's got it's got right very it's got a lot of uh, characteristics that are unique, but it's basically the 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 monomyth in its own way. Sure. If you if the the trick about Game of Thrones is that it threw so many characters at you that that, that until. I would say 70% of them died. You didn't realize who you should have been focusing on <laughs> right. the entire time, which, right. was, which is fantastic. It's a fantastic experience. The books are a better experience. It's a, the books are more even and do a better way of showing it. But the television show is, is a superior 
uh, adaptation of those books. I, sure. I, I will, you know, I will not denigrate the television show by any stretch of the imagination. Um, the the books can books are books are liberant. Uh, you know, oh boy, that's not a word. Uh, <laughs> Books are liberated in a in a form that it doesn't have to contextualize social uh, requirements. We've been following Daenerys mm-hmm. for nine years, trying to do this thing, and she has been she's been an, a powerful component of the story, mm-hmm. just as much as Jon Snow and just as much as Arya and Sansa and the rest of these characters. Right. So now that we are toward, we're, now that it's culminating and we're getting to the top of the pyramid, right? Where all the all the stories are starting to converge into one point, which would be this, which would be the series finale. Mm-hmm. You're starting to realize that there are flaws in, you know, in the in the in the genetic makeup of these characters. Mm-hmm. But but no flaw in any of these characters has been so blatant as Daenerys' flaw of being obsessed with the Iron Throne. Yeah, that's a that's a thread that they've started with season seven. Right. You know, and that you can you can actually watch if you watch season seven again, you can see a lot of times Tyrion wink, wincing at her mm-hmm. because she's coming in like you know right. with, with she, her fangs does out. Does she have right? Does she have the the well, it's not uh, even a temperament. Kings. Yeah, I mean, not 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 just that. Mm-hmm. I would say that that's a concern, but she's she doesn't have she's she's in a foreign land. She's never mm-hmm. been to Westeros. She's not listening to her, her advisors about how to coax these people, how to mm-hmm. coax followers out of these people, and she's you know she's she's basically um, iron fisting it. Through mm-hmm. the entire, you know, and there's a there are a number of moments when her advisors are like, uh, "That's not you could you could totally win this without this, you know, this unnecessary bloodshed." Yeah, which is you know kind of it's kind of proving itself out this season with uh, with Sam's father and and brother, and a, and a number of other things. Yeah, so I'm trying to I'm trying to figure out what the angle is because mm-hmm. in a in a novel Daenerys could be just another red herring you know and you could get away with that mm-hmm. she's another character you follow that you think is going to make it and then it turns out that she didn't have the goods to make it but so much and I don't want to even use this 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 uh this analogy there's so much political weight on landing all of these thread points, like in 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 ways, so that you know, because you had Game of Thrones has such a vast fan base, mm-hmm, it means mm-hmm. so many things to so many people. Right. If you just turn around and say, "Oh, Daenerys is you know really kind of kooky and doesn't have what it takes to you know after after nine years of following her, turns out she didn't have what it takes to land on the throne. Too bad, you know, you you back the wrong horse. Kind of. You know, it's it's perilous. It's yeah. a very perilous way to do it. So it will be interesting because that's so far that's the only thread that they that they kind of that's the only um, what would you call it the only unraveling that they're 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 starting to show you um, right. because Jon Snow is Jon Snow, he's right? Noble, you know, right. all the way up to when he finds out he's the heir to the Iron Throne, he's, the, the, <laughs> he's not a bastard anymore. He's the lo- he's the Lord and Master of everything. Right. He's got the blood of two. A major house. I like what I like what Daenerys says, though. I like what she's like. Oh, so your brother and your best friend tell you this? 
and, and you know. Yeah. I mean, but, she, but she'll know. But I mean, the flaw is that she's not even like, and a lot of people have said this, the flaw isn't even, well, wait a minute. That, that means, because I mean, one of the, one of the biggest problems that John might've had about the whole thing mm-hmm. doesn't ever, doesn't even necessarily have to be that he's King. Right. It means he's been sleeping with his aunt and he's not a Targaryen. <laughs> so that's not, that, that's not what, that's not what the Starks do. Right. Know? Like he's like, ew, you know, <laughs> like it's, it's it's so... I, you know, I was wondering about that because that's been talked about for a long time now, too. And I'm not sure because in this world, it just seems like not... No, the, I mean, the Starks, the, the Starks don't do that. You know, the, the yeah. North people in the North don't do that. The Targaryens have been doing it for 300 years. Right. It's not a big deal for a Targaryen. Right. He's half Targaryen. Right. He wasn't raised yeah. believing he was a Targaryen. Right. Also, it also shows that the Stark blood is stronger than Targaryen blood which is How another so? interesting thing because every Targaryen has silver hair. Oh, right. This is the first, this is the first ah. mix. That's, that's also one of the, one of the plot threads from the original, mm. the original from season one. Yeah. Where he said that the line is strong. They were talking about the Baratheons. The Baratheons all had dark hair except for Joffrey. Right. That's right. how they figured out that Joffrey wasn't uh, right. Robert Baratheon's son. So that's a big deal. I don't know if they're going to continue following it through with this show because they've got so little time yeah. to get that done. But if Jon Snow doesn't have a hint of Targaryen in him, you know, that to, to the point where he looks like a Stark. Right. He doesn't look like a Targaryen. No, he does not. So that means the Stark blood is stronger, yeah. maybe a stronger magic than the Targaryen blood, which is supposed to be a magic blood. Right. So it, it'll be interesting if they, you know, to see if they, they follow through on that. I'm going to sit there and say out of, so I am so anti-spoiler. I really am. Even though hmm. my opening comments might suggest otherwise. That I don't even like yeah, listening that, to fans. You, that you blame, that you blame the victims. <laughs> I, that was I, didn't, I didn't blame the victims. <laughs> yes, you did. I lashed out at them. There's a huge <laughs> difference. I was yeah. aggressively, you, you, uh, yeah. I was aggressive toward them. I see. You weren't blaming them. You were persecuting them. Exactly. Exactly. Like I took action. I'm an action guy. Okay. I like, I like taking, I like taking action. That's fair. That's totally fair. But I am so anti like wanting to, for my own self, wanting to know, and I'll use Buffy again as the example. I remember when. Please stop. I was. Buffy is a bad example. Oh, Buffy's a great example though. I needed to know so badly what happened at the end of season five after uh, Buffy was killed at the conclusion of how they're going to bring her back. You didn't and realize they were just going to bring her back. It wasn't, it wasn't that they were or weren't. So it was how they were going to. And what was going to happen. I would, have, I would have agreed with you. But this is, this is back when I, this is back before that's social ironic. media. It's ironic that that's, that's your focal point because yes. that is exactly where I got off of the Buffy boat. Okay. That's, okay. That's, that's exactly the episode where I was like, this show is crap. And I, and I, I got off the train. Yeah. So it's ironic yeah. that that was your, that's your linchpin. Yeah. Um, no, but that's, yeah, I, I, I started your point about I, anticipation. And, right. But, but hang on. I was going to compliment you. Don't cut me off. I was going to compliment you. I, what you, you, you just long, said, you what you just said about the hair is something I never would have thought about. And it's also something that is not going to, how do I put this, directly impact the outcome of the story. There's, it, there's, it's, just, it's got a lot of subtext to it and it's going to pepper however the outcome ends up being but it's not going to directly impact it to the point where it's going to ruin like, 
oh, well, that means this is going to happen. And, and if that happens, no, then this yeah. happens. So I love it. I love that's it. The, that's the point. Of my, that's, that's my whole point about Game of Thrones in general. It's like, I like all these plot threads that tie together. Yeah. But all these pretty, I mean, you, you listen, first of all, through stories alone, mm-hmm. right? Through being a writer. This is, this, is, this is not something that everybody can experience, and it's not a call. It's not a badge of honor. It's not, I'm, sure. not, I'm not, I'm not uh, celebrating right. um, being a writer you know, as, as a superior being over anything else. Right. But there's, there are certain things as a writer that you, there's a language you learn in writing. Right. That, you know, there's, there's cause and effect. There's, there's foreshadowing. There's, there's, mm-hmm. There are a lot of these other things, that, you know, sewn uh, threads, um, uh, tying up loose ends, you yeah. know, fulfillment. You have to, there's a, there, there are percentages that you have to adhere to right. in order to, to tell a satisfying story. Right. And so listening to half of these yahoos talk about, oh, this is Tyrion, this is a Targaryen. There's nothing, maybe, maybe they will do that. Maybe. Right. Right. But there's nothing that leads to that other mm-hmm. than the, these fabricated, like it's, it's, um, it's room, it's, it's, what's that, uh, What's that documentary for uh, Stanley Kubrick, Room 237 or something like that? It's, it's that all over again. Okay. You know, it's like, it's all these, you know, oh, this, this definitely, because he had this coffee can in this shot, <laughs> this obviously means that this is about the, the struggle of the Native Americans against the white men. Right. And you're like, oh, what does that got to do with The Shining? <laughs> and I mean, it's fascinating, but it's, it's, it's empty calories. It's not yeah. nourishing by any yeah. stretch of the imagination so me personally even though i like to talk about this stuff and i love to talk shop i love to talk about stuff like uh you know like who's mm-hmm. whose genes are stronger right like the fact that leanna stark like rhaegar is the sun is the culmination of 300 years of of of, mm-hmm. of, of targaryen breeding right and she and he sleeps with leanna stark and her blood out out you know, mm-hmm. outshines his to the fact that this child doesn't right. even look like a Targaryen after right. 300 years right. of, of both inbreeding and out, out you know, um, and uh, uh, alliance, you know, uh, allegical sure. marriages out, outside of uh, outside of the bloodline. That's that. I love talking about stuff like that. But this yeah. this uh, who's going to, you know, is Bran really the Night King? Are we going to? Yeah, maybe. But who, I know. But where's that coming from? That's not talking about the show. Right. That's that's you trying to project, kind of show your yeah. That's you trying to show your mm-hmm. own creative, you know, muscles in in the midst of something that's happening. I always think it's just like the MCU, and I know that we do this. For, I like that we know, tie it together though. See, that's uh, what a synergistic show we have. You know, well, you know, it it, it, it comes from the the years. Upper years, tier, right? baby. Upper yeah, tier. Yeah. I it's. It's. I, I appreciate that. That's this is what we do. But there's a there's a percentage of anti or or it it's something it's I guess some word I want to pick. It's anti joy, right? You know, it's it's kind of a it's kind of a letdown. Yeah. It's kind of it's kind of sabotage. Yeah, well, that's the thing. I don't exactly right. Sabotage is a great word because that's what I did with Buffy. I actually sabotaged season six. Now, season six was not a great season for them. Nope. Uh, however, <laughs> however, starting I with knew, the season finale of, of season five. I well, I love the season finale, of season five. But I knew, of course you did. like months in advance, 
that Willow was going to be the big bad. I knew months in advance of all these things. And I'm just like, boy, I look back and go, you know what? If I'd have just left it alone, I might have enjoyed it more. I remember rewatching season six years later going, it wasn't as bad as I remember. Yeah. It actually wasn't. It really wasn't. Had I not known. No, nah, but what's funny, ahead, what's, what's funny about that is if, if it was done today, yeah. they would have killed Willow. And season six would have been one of the most amazing seasons of the sure. show. Sure. But, you know, it's, it's kind of the, it's, it's kind of this, this weird, this weird television trope that they had in the, in the night, which made television kind of insufferable back then. Sure. Although, although I, if you did it right, there's a way you could mm-hmm. do it right. You could do nineties television correctly. There's right. A, I could, I could cite many shows that did it correctly in my opinion. Right. Some shows that didn't. The, the, my, my issue with Buffy is that it had like this, this epicness. Right. It was always on the verge of epicness. And it always recoiled just before it got epic. And, and it, you know, and people were always, it's, it's the exact opposite of what we have today. People were always celebrating the, the, the epic adjacentness of it. You know, mm-hmm. like it's mm-hmm. not epic, but it's so cool. I mean, it's so I like so you amazing. using a current pop culture phrase, adjacent. Yes. Adjacent. adjacent. Look at you. Is, is, is not, is not no, no, a, it, it's no, not no, a new <laughs> it's, it's adjacent. It's just a Jace. Everything is short. Uh, I, I said adjacent. I'm no, sorry. I know. I'm, I know. You're, I'm a, I'm a you writer. Are clearly, gonna... You are clearly a false prophet of pop yeah. culture savvy. I'm not, I'm not destroying the English language for pop culture. It's not happening from me. Let me I, ask you... I do enough butchering of the English language just because <laughs> I can't talk. I butcher people's names all the time. Let me ask you a question. <laughs> and this is the one thing I thought of, though, of the first two episodes of Game of Thrones. All right. Because there's no source material, because we don't know what George R.R. Martin is thinking. As much as I loved the scenes with uh, Jamie uh, knighting uh, Brienne. Brienne of Tar and, and Tormund applauding and, and, and all of them kind of getting together, it was very satisfying mm-hmm. because it satisfied a lot of plots and it, and it was a feel-good moment. But I, I had this like sneaky suspicion, and I guess we won't know until those books come out, which they never will. Hmm. If the producers and the writers and the creators kind of kind of threw that in there, I feel like there was a lot of love for the fans. Yeah, it's a lot in of, those first two the episodes. Last two se- the last two seasons have been and last season too, and that's a bit of a divergence because that's the one thing that if you li- if you read all the interviews with George R. R. Martin, he's like, and Rob Stark was obviously going to be the one that everyone should be rooting for, so I had to kill him. <laughs> and not only did he kill him, but he well, killed no, he, him. Well, no, he always, he had, see, that's the thing. He always planned to kill Rob Stark. No, and I know, you know because. That, you know that because yes. he never got a point of view chapter. Right. Because the way the books are done is for mm-hmm. the people who, for the uninitiated, the books okay. are done by points of view for each character. Okay. So each chapter is named after a character. So the first okay. chapter is like, is, is the very first chapter of Game of Thrones was, was, is seen through Bran's eyes. Bran okay. Stark. Okay. And then, and so you think that he's going to be the young boy, you know, following the tropes of fantasy. Sure. He's going to be the young boy who's going to grow up and, you know, he's going to be the hero at the end of it. And then he gets pushed out a window. <laughs> so, you know, and then it's also Eddard Stark. It's the second one. So you figure, okay, we're going to follow Sean Bean through this, through this terrible world of, of right. injustice and, and, and corrupt, <laughs> you know, and right. now he gets his head cut off. Right. So he's, he, he, he very, but he sends you, he kind of sends you signals about who is who is important 
and who you should be paying attention to and maybe who you shouldn't be okay. paying attention to. And if you're not, if you're not on it or you don't right. care, which is like kind of what I was, I'm like, I'm, I'm just in it for the ride. I, you know, and all the, all the tropes that he had set forward and all the right. stuff that he had done were astonishing to me, but I wasn't, I wasn't studying them. There are, there are scholars of those books that sure. tell you, I mean, they, there, there's just so much layers in those books. They're, mm-hmm. they're amazing. Um, but uh, the fact that Rob Stark never had a point of view chapter, he's okay. always seen in the entire story through someone else's eyes, mostly his mother's eyes. Okay. Mostly Catherine Stark, Catelyn Stark. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, that's kind of proof right there that he's not going to be the one. To but he also, it. I mean, he also said, though, too, not, not getting into that minute detail, that this was the obvious choice. And I remember even feeling that. I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Rob Stark's going to do this now, man. He's our man now. And oh, oh no. Yeah, nope, that's nope. The, that's the, problem, the problem with uh, Game of Thrones for me always is that I had read the books first. Mm-hmm. And reading the books is a, is a visceral experience. Sure. But visualizing these things is even yeah. more visceral, right? Yeah. So uh, up until season six, I knew everything that was going to happen. You know, right. I knew Oberon was going to get frickin' murdered. You <laughs> right, know, and right. I'm like, oh, man. And everybody, I can see online, everyone's like, oh, I'm loving Oberon, Oberon. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, But man. that's, but no, no, but that's the thing. That's the thing. You just, you hit the nail on the head. It's like all these things that we were loving... George R. R. Martin crushes with his fist in our faces, like right. It's it, it, like literally, like right in front of us, like splat. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's the, one of the, the most last, amazing things because you cannot write like that if you don't know how to write like that. The last two seasons, especially, has been more of the fan candy kind of things because they don't have the books anymore. They and don't then, have the. It doesn't have the unique signature of George because it doesn't have a yeah. cynical. It doesn't have the cynicism anymore. Yeah, yeah. Game of Thrones is very cynical. Yeah. It's a very cynical story about, look, your heroes, you're going to get, I'll give you heroes. You're <laughs> going to have heroes. You're not going to know who your heroes are because you never know who's going to rise out of the ranks yeah. and be a hero. And there's going to, you know, you're going to, you're going to see people who you're going to want to be your heroes mm-hmm. and they're not going to be, they're not going to be up to the task. And that's what life is. That's the way life, that's, that's life the way right. George Martin sees it. Right. right? So, I mean, you and I would try to write like that because that's a popular way, but we wouldn't be able to do it because right. that's not our worldview. We don't know how to, we wouldn't right. know how to, 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 to convince people right. that the world that we're trying to show you is real. We would, right. we would follow through and we'd be killing characters off left and right, like, like The Walking Dead or some of these other shows right. to do in, in an attempt to be like Game of Thrones and in, in an attempt to, to make sure you understand it, nobody's safe. But then you can feel that it's it's a it's a boardroom decision. Right. You know, killing this mm-hmm. character off is a boardroom decision. Killing Glenn off twice is a boardroom decision. You know, so it's it's not the same. You it, the the and so look, I still respect it, and I have a unique perspective on it. Sure. I ran. We ran out of books. I ran <laughs> out of I ran out of my premonitions, my my precognitive understanding sure. of where the story's gonna go. Sure. But from season six on, I've been like, I'm watching the show like a new, you know, like a new fan sure. for the first time since the show started. Right. Because I have no idea what's going to happen yeah. next. Yeah. And I don't want to know. Like, yeah. that's, that's, what's, that's what's crazy about the internet. Is everybody's like, oh, you got these predictions. Here are all these ideas. And I'm like, no, no. The, the biggest problem I've had with this entire show is I've known every terrible thing that was going to happen to every character. 
since the beginning. Yeah. And now I don't know. I have no idea if that die Sunday. And I'm loving it. I don't I have no idea how the show is gonna end. Who's gonna kill Cersei? Is Cersei gonna die? What if he pulls a mind they pull a mind job and Cersei wins? Wins, I know. I actually thought the same thing. I know. I know. That'd be that would be amazing. I know. And they and they've also be, be from nine years of doing this, they've also proven that they're capable of anything. They're they're capable of pulling I wonder, anything. I wonder if it's gonna and be I think, like a I think watch we're ruining it for ourselves. Yeah, constantly trying right. to. I would even. I'm not, not even, you, not yeah, us. Not, not, no, we're we're a middling podcast. We're exact. We're upper tier. But, I mean, <laughs> upper, upper tier. Upper tier middling. We're upper tier middling. Co- we're yeah. exempt from that though. But I mean, I just we're at the top of the middle. I can't. You can't go anywhere on your Facebook feed without seeing some kind of prediction sure. or some kind of outrage. About right. like Arya, because Arya had sex for the first time. It was she's great. Not, she's not supposed to have sex because you see, you see the way the world is though. That's the same with the Star Wars thing, right? Right. The, uh, the Force Awakens is too much like Star Wars. It's too much like A New Hope. Uh huh. The Last Jedi is too different. Damn you! You know, it's it's this thing. Arya has been growing up in front of us for ten years. Sure. We still insist on seeing her as a child, right? You know, it's like, well, I, you know, and I'm sure it's 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 a kind of a uh, it's kind of a residual of maybe having your own child, and when they grow up to be, they come of age, and sure, get married or something, go out. You you can't really fathom like, oh my yeah, god, yeah. my my kids out there doing adult things. But look, you've watched her grow up, right? There, people are outraged that she had sex. They're not outraged that as a ten-year-old she stuck a sword through someone's neck. <laughs> well, that's typical ten-year-old. Yeah, the world is a, yeah, world is a strange yeah. place. That's why you, listening to these people is a is a waste of time. It really you, is. You didn't stab anybody when you were ten. You haven't lived. All right. Well, Listen, let us man. Know, if let I us... did, I wouldn't be dumb enough to say it in the, on on the air in our top-tier middling podcast. Let like, us know like what you, you think. Uh, Comment, and we will reply back because we're very vigilant with that. When we come back, we're going back to Avengers Endgame. We're bringing Chris Arendt from Newsarama to tell you about the tie-in books you need to be reading, and he's going to give away the movie because he's already seen it when we come back. Welcome back to Secrets of the Sire. We talk comics, movies, TV, and pop culture every Wednesday at 8 p.m. Eastern on the Sire Digital channel. That's SireDigital.com. Or you can go individually, go to YouTube.com slash Secrets of the Sire, Facebook.com slash Secrets of the Sire, and Twitch.tv slash Secrets of the Sire. We're on Periscope at Sire Studios as well. Uh, Before we get to our guest and final segment, which we got to merge the two together today, which was awesome, we announced last week we were doing a live show that is our Avengers Endgame review, followed by some trivia uh, that we're going to probably just incorporate into the podcast as well, too. I haven't told anybody that. But it's a live extravaganza. It's a funny business Good to know. in Nyack, New York. So if you are just north of New York City, if you're in the New York City area, take a train, take a bus. It's, it's a short 30 to 45-minute trip up north. If you're in Jersey, we're like, we're like, we're like there. Uh, and you can come check us out. We're going to be 
live streaming right from there. We're going to be doing our podcast. We've got the ladies from Geeks Vibe, Geek Vibes Nation coming as well. They were a previous guest. They're going to be there as well. Uh, we have a few surprises. You never know. We always have some folks come out of the woodworks for these live events. And uh, we're going to be reviewing Avengers Endgame, so you better have seen it by then. And then we're going to follow it up with some Avengers trivia night. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be a blast. Uh, I'll probably bring beer. It'll be a lot of fun. All right. We do this every week. This week we do it with Chris Arendt, but we go spinning the racks. Spin the rack. Spin the rack. We are joined by Chris Arendt from Newsarama. Chris, uh, the big thing we're talking about is obviously Avengers Endgame. You are the editor at Newsarama. That's it. That's your official position. You are the editor. Uh, give us all the dirty spoilers for Avengers Endgame. Comics. Um, oh, dirty spoiler. I thought it was going to be a completely different segment. There was a big press screening on Tuesday um, that a lot of press went to. I can't give out any spoilers to that. Like, um, you'll, uh, People that are listening to this have probably seen some on like, Twitter, and Facebook, um, Instagram. I will try to keep it uh, spoiler-free for everybody. I just uh, want to encourage everybody who's interested to go out and see the movie on Thursday. Um, and there's a lot of comics that are on the shelves now and that will be that can kind of tie into that experience. Like if you want to read more about the movie or you have friends that want to read more about the movie, there's some really good comics that uh, you can buy as gifts or just to recommend for people that are psyched about Endgame and Thanos and all that. Which are? Um, um, uh, this week uh, just came out Avengers 18. It's the current uh, Jason Aaron storyline. It ties into War of the Realms, but it has some interesting uh, uh, like uh, Avengers bits where the team is pretty close to what it is in the movies. Mm -hmm. um, there's also some trades out. There's a new uh, uh, collection of the original Infinity Gauntlet, which does show okay. and also shows in comics what happens after the snap. Uh, I don't want to spoil it, but it is worth a look. There's also several sequels to that that, have, that are out. Uh, Infinity War by Jim Starlin. Mm -hmm. Also Infinity Crusade by Jim Starlin. They're really worth uh, uh, picking up just to see how this, the what's happening in the movies, how it played out in comics. I remember Infinity War because I had gotten into comics around, I guess, 92 or 93, and Infinity Gauntlet was 91, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken. And it was way too expensive for me to buy because it was, like, hugely popular at that point. And, you know, that's when the comics were actually worth something. So, you know, the prices jacked up, and I was 12 years old, and I couldn't really afford it. But then I was like, oh, Infinity War, I'll get into this. And I remember reading Infinity War being like, I have no idea what's going on in this. <laughs> I, got, I got no idea. I got no idea. Uh, how do you, you just wanted to tell that sad story. Oh, that's, that's, basically, <laughs> I, I, that's the entire reason for this podcast is for me to tell my sad <laughs> stories. But um, you were reading Infinity War and Infinity Crusade and even the original Infinity Gauntlet. How do you rectify if you've only seen the movies? You know, is there, is there, is there enough, in your opinion, to, uh, for a novice, a comic novice to follow along? Um, like I think if you've just seen Infinity War, the movie, you could go get Infinity Gauntlet, the comic book, and start from there. It does have some characters that aren't in the movie. Like uh, there's this little-known character named Wolverine that's in it. Oh, uh, yes. 
this guy with knife hands. Um, <laughs> uh, Adam Warlock's in it, and there's a different version of Nebula. But I think by and large, people can really pick up on it. The George Perez artwork at, like, at the beginning doesn't hurt. Yeah. Uh, um, that Wolverine guy is a ripoff of Edward Scissorhands. I, I read that in their article. <laughs> I know all like, about that. A, the secret's out. It's probably the best standalone tie-in. Uh, like, the, like if you like the movie, mm-hmm. like that. And then if you enjoy Infinity Gauntlet, then you can go to the Infinity War comic book that is a direct sequel to that. And pretty much the continuity for that is pretty much... Uh, it, uh, insular, so it's only to Infinity Gauntlet, and what happens after that? Like besides some weird costumes of the nineties, <laughs> like people with mullets and things like that. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, it's funny you mentioned uh, War of the Realms. Uh, the Avengers operates, or Marvel operates, you know, years ahead of the films. Obviously, the films, you know, mine from the comics. What is War of the Realms? I know that's their big event this year, uh, and it's and it's just been released. And I, I keep seeing ads for it, and I want to know, you know, what is it, and you know, why is it the big event this year? Um, it is. Uh, Jason Aaron's been telling the story of Thor for the past six years. Uh, basically, there's uh, ten realms in Asgardian mythology. Asgard mm-hmm. is one of them. Earth is one of them. Uh, heaven is one of them, and there's like other realms. Okay? And there's been this uh, villain named uh, Melkith who has been slowly building forces and conquering each of the realms. And he saved Asgard and Earth for last. And he conquered Asgard. So now he has, uh, Melkith uh, has basically the forces of the nine realms mm-hmm. coming after the tenth realm, which is Earth. So it's all these Asgardian forces besides Thor and, and uh, Loki that made it out, basically. So the Earth's mightiest heroes are making their last stand against basically Asgard's mightiest heroes, Heaven's mightiest heroes, and all the other realms. So it's like interesting. It's kind of like Lord of the Rings meets Marvel. Like he has some really big epic uh, clashes. And mm-hmm. one of the cool things for me is they've uh, planned it in advance so well that it's the same writer, same artist, same colorist that are doing all the issues. There, 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 oh, won't, okay. be villains, there won't be any late books. <laughs> uh, before the, sure? yeah uh, before the first issue came out they'd already uh, finished the first six issues and so they have it pretty well planned out and this is really big cohesive the art's amazing and also uh jason aaron's a big fan of asgard going back so he's bringing up these little things that i see now that i think are going to turn into big things like like i don't know if people remember the art adams x-men um, um, annuals from the 80s and 90s oh, gosh yeah there was one that was the Asgardian Wars. Okay? Yep, mm-hmm. that's my favorite. Adam's doing the covers for War of the Realms, and there's uh, this week, there's a War of the Realms uncanny X-Men tie-in that's bringing back Danny Moonstar and her uh, Asgardian horse and kind of picking up the elements from that storyline, some that haven't been touched on in 30 years. They're basically bringing that back. Like, uh, Wolfsbane had a ki- uh like a child with an Asgardian man. Well, they're going to bring up that for the time in 30 years and all this kind of deep, deep continuity stuff for basically long-time Marvel fans. That's really awesome. Uh, one thing I've also noticed, too, is is the fact that the Marvel Universe is looking a lot more... Oh, oh Hassan brought props. He got props. <laughs> I like it. I like his props. This is the Asgardian Wars. This is the greatest comic that's ever been written. Oh, look at us go. Uh, and I got this when I interned at Marvel Comics. I got this uh, as a as a gift. 
this makes it look like we really put prep work into this <laughs> particular spot, which we didn't. You just happened to be carrying yeah. that around wherever you go. It's always sitting. It's always sitting by my art table. You've just so been waiting for that opportunity. I have. Like, I've been waiting point. for someone to say as Guardian Wars <laughs> since we started doing this show. Amazing. Thank you. Thank you well, very much. Thank Chris, you, Chris. You're, you're, Chris, you're psychic. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the thing I was saying is I'm noticing more and more now within the actual um, Marvel universe, it's starting to really mirror the cinematic universe in terms of the characters, the looks who's in, who's out. Uh, is that a, a trend that uh, C.B. Cebulski is going to keep going with? Uh, that seems to be a big, you know, a big deal. And is that, I mean, are, are we basically kind of merging the two universes into one uh, at this point? Uh, like, like, I don't think it hurts to a certain degree. Like, they can't just pair it. Uh, basically, the comics shouldn't just pair it, what the movies are doing. But I think there is some benefits out of taking what they feel is the best of the movies and basically trying to replicate that in comics. Mm -hmm. And even if they don't do it exactly like they just announced the new uh, Valkyrie book based on the popularity of Valkyrie from the movie. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The same Valkyrie, like uh, spoilers, but it's Jane Foster has become the next Valkyrie. Okay. I heard that. So they're kind of inspired by the movies, but they're not basically shoehorning basically everything that happens in the movie to happen in the book. Which I always kind of found a little funny too, because I would, I would pick up something that was non-Marvel related, or if I was really young, and I'd be like, "Oh, I saw this in the movies," and then I'd, and then I'd open it and be like, "Well, this is completely different," Not, and it would actually kind of throw me off. So I don't know what the best strategy is. Thank God I don't have to make those decisions. We just have to. We just get up on our pulpit and yell at them for making them, which is kind of nice. Uh, but it's it's definitely that fine line you got to walk. You know, since the last time we've had you on. Uh, DC had a little tiny movie called Shazam that happened to be breaking, uh, what, they break 100 million recently domestically, and actually they did that, they did that uh, a while ago, I think. They've, yeah. they've you know, it, it turned out to be a, a both a critical and a commercial hit for DC. What's DC doing to tie in with that film? Is there anything that they've done to really tie in with that film uh, since we last spoke and since the movie has actually been a hit? Um, so far, it's made three hundred twenty-one million, which is pretty good considering the budget for the film was only I believe eighty-five million. Mm-hmm. Lowest budget, like the lowest budget for a DC movie since I think like Catwoman. Like um, they really made this on a tight budget, and as as far as I kind of see it reflected in the comics, unfortunately, DC really hasn't come to bear with that. They did have a Shazam ongoing series, but. Uh, it's been uh, delayed, so there wasn't mm. a trade out of that yet. And Shazam hasn't really shown up in the other comic books. Um, like I really think, after some of the disappointments they've had with uh, Batman versus Superman and Suicide Squad, they're kind of hesitant of going all in. But like you'll see that even with Aquaman. Yeah. Going back to what you uh, you were saying, how the movie version doesn't look like the comic version. Like still currently, like. Um, Aquaman's the biggest DC movie ever, but if you knew Aquaman for that and you, from that and you went to buy a comic, it doesn't look like Jason Moma at all. They're slowly segueing to that, but they still haven't fully done it. So, so if you want Jason Moma with tattoos and everything, there, there's no comic with that out there yet. So like I, like I think with uh, Shazam, they're just playing it uh, they're just playing it safe and like, but, but I do think you will see it 
be introduced into the comic slowly. Which, which is a shame because Shazam is actually reaching out to younger people too, like a younger audience. Uh, younger audiences are really enjoying it. Uh, you know, the nine to 14 year old crowd, you know, exactly the type of age you would might you might be when you i don't know start reading comics it'd be really nice to be able to like walk into a comic book store off the high of seeing Shazam and see i don't know a comic tied into that yeah like um when Shazam came out uh we at Newsarama did a list of the top 10 like best comic books you should pick up based on that and i have my favorite Shazam <laughs> comics i probably have 20 or 30 of those but a lot of those are out of print like either yeah. It's due to the name being Captain Marvel or some of the storytelling was done in the 40s and it's pretty problematic to racist. But (laughs) they really don't have a lot of material where they can rely on. There's probably probably six or seven Shazam books that you can buy today that would be good to pick up on, like to pick up. But there's there's really not a lot out there for people that really enjoy the movie. Yeah, DC's history is just too vast. You know, there's no way they're going to be able to go back and and retcon some of these things for contemporary images. It's just, and then you know, isn't wouldn't there be a fan revolt? If they started doing that. <laughs> uh, they theoretically uh, uh, solicited reprinting the original stories and just have a message at the beginning saying that basically this doesn't reflect DC. <laughs> and they, got and they canceled the book. They don't say why, but they. They they advertised it and then they changed their mind. So oh boy, it, it's some pretty tough um, imagery. So I could understand their position. It's just um, like like I wish they could make some new material that would yeah. uh, make us forget about the older material. But uh, Shazam's one of those characters that a lot of comic creators want to do. Like if DC called me up today and he said, "Hey, do you want to? Uh, who wants to do it?" Like I know Mark Wade has publicly said. Mm-hmm. Holy Hammer has publicly said he would. Uh, Joshua Middleton, who doesn't do interiors anymore, said that he would do more. Like he did a mini series mm-hmm. with Ted Winnick. Um, uh, Chris Samney said he would do more. Uh, like Evan Shanner said that he would uh, uh, do more Shazam. Like I think there's people out there. It's just uh, uh, the people that make the decisions uh, need to slowly be brought around to realize that it's a good thing uh, financially. It's an actual industry, and maybe you should uh, maybe you should market your industry it, it's kind of hard though it's kind of hard when you're cutting your titles <laughs> you're cutting the number of publications to like add new ones i suppose yeah it's like trying to have your cake and eat it too like you Ugh. you want to cut costs and then you still want to capitalize on the things you're cutting that's kinda... have your cake and eat it too yes yeah. or eat your cake and have it too right right sure <laughs> they've probably been burned like countless times with stuff they thought would be hits that weren't like there's probably all sorts of like Halle Berry, Cat, uh, Catwoman movie times <laughs> okay. still sitting on shelves. Could you imagine the the closet full of Halle Berry, Catwoman merchandise that they just yeah. can't do anything with right now? I have, I Halle have, Berry doesn't want it. I, my closet's full of that stuff right now. They asked me to hold it for them, and uh, they never came back. So I think I got screwed. Where, where's your prop? Hold your prop <laughs> up. I no, I'm not gonna run to get that. That'll embarrass <laughs> me and everybody else and the show. <laughs> and Chris will never come back. Chris, yeah. There are some awesome non-movie related books coming out. What's on your pull list this week? Um, this week, uh, the sequel to uh, Dustin Wynn and Jeff Lemire's uh, Descender came out called Ascender. 
I'm really excited for that. Um, there's also for fans of Dick Tracy, Mike, uh, Mike Oming from Powers. Yeah. A Dick Tracy series with each um, issue set in a different time period from the 1940s. There's a modern day issue and there's one in the future. I'm really excited for that. Um, um, there's also this, like we can't go without talking about this little DC book called Heroes for Crisis 8. That's eight of nine. Um, I, I read a copy of that one early. I, th- I really think it's going to be an issue that people are going to be talking about. There's some major things that happen. Some people will sh- recoil in horror. Some people will be excited about it. But it's uh, for what they do in this issue, like I'm really uh, anticipating and kind of scared of what's in the final issue. How many, how many crises can they do in DC? I mean, that seems to be their only schlock is crisis. Crisis on this, identity crisis, crisis and crisis, identity crisis, crisis, crisis. <laughs> the crisis of having an identity in a crisis right. Like the same, the same thing with Marvel doing stuff with Infinity in, in the title. Like some of those just haven't been as big. Like, like, I, like I remember a joke in a Excalibur um, um, annual that they showed a house of DC that had all these uh, rooms in it that were basically different, named after different DC events like Crisis, Invasion, uh, Worlds Unleashed, and like all those other things. At least, at least Marvel has Secret too. See, they got two. They got Secret and Infinity. So the next, the next, next year's book is going to be Secret Infinity. Secret so. Infinity. Chris, it is always a pleasure to have you on. Thank you for not spoiling Avengers Endgame. I'm going on a social media embargo, and then next week we're doing our super awesome spoiler-filled review live from Funny Business in Nyack, New York. So thank you again for coming on board, and we will catch you after someone snaps their fingers and we're all back again, or at least (laughs) half of us are back again, (laughs) potentially, hopefully. Thank you very much, everybody. Chris, where can they find you online? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at chrisarrant.com, and I'm always writing at newsarama.com. I want to thank our guest, Mr. Chris Arrant from Newsarama. Awesome Thanks, stuff, Chris. as always. I did not realize Hassan was going to bring props. He was. <laughs> Mind you, he is going to yell at me for not preparing him to go listen to our own podcast or have any knowledge of our own podcast. Yet, at the same time, he brings props. That's awesome. All right. Next well. week, <laughs> Avengers Endgame. We are live. Funny business. Nike, New York. Go check us out on the Facebook page, facebook.com slash secrets of the sire for all the event details. Uh, it, again, if you're in the New York City area, come visit us. We love it. We want a live audience because we are going to be playing Avengers Endgame trivia after the fact. Do as it, well do too. it, do it, do it. So do it, do I think it. that's going to be pretty exciting. If you can't because you live outside the New York City area, we'll be live streaming the whole thing. We'll be on youtube.com slash Secrets of the Sire, facebook.com slash Secrets of the Sire, twitch.tv slash Secrets of the Sire. Go to siredigital.com. Go to secretsofsire.com. We'll see you next week. Secrets of the Sire.